2: This is the Court Today replay on C103. Hey, we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul's taking your course, 1850 333 103. Now, phone lines are open as indeed uh, texts and uh, WhatsApps to 0862 103 103. A reminder to you that we will have somebody from Revenue joining us on the programme this morning to answer any queries you might have about your local property tax there is a deadline very fast approaching the 7th of November is when you have to let revenue know how much you think your property is worth and then there will be further deadlines and dates for which you have to pay your local property tax if you've got any queries if you've had problems uh, filing it into revenue either online or by paper or you have any queries at all about the valuation of your house, get your question in in plenty of time because the earlier we have your questions in, the better the chance we'll have of putting it to the person from Revenue and hopefully getting your answer. Now bearing in mind The very same as the last time we spoke with somebody from Revenue was when the letters were first being uh, issued. It's a case of please don't shoot the messenger. Uh, Revenue are just doing the job that they've been asked to do. They didn't instigate the local property tax. They don't set the local property tax. It is just their job to collect the local property uh, tax. Because I know the last time we had a number of people who are... I mean still to this day, people are very annoyed about having to pay a local property tax time and time again we 'll hear from people you know I bought my own house hard earned cash I worked hard all of my life to pay off a mortgage you know suddenly mortgage is paid off, and the government are coming after me for a local property tax and people just get very annoyed about it that's not what today's interview is about today's interview is about the fact that we have a responsibility as homeowners to pay the local property tax so if you 've got any question uh, with in relation to it and already I've seen a question in from from Anne and you're not the first Anne to draw attention to this Uh, there are a number of people and I don't know what the reason for it is and I don't know what percentage of people fall into this category who never received a letter from Revenue saying that they had to to put a valuation on their home neither did they get an email and Anne is in that category and is wondering what she will will need to do so that certainly is a question that I'll put to the person from Revenue and then also very lengthy email in from somebody who has discovered kind of an anomaly really and a bit of a problem who is trying to file for a it's it's to do with a second property with the local property tax so they've gone online and filled in everything that they needed to fill in and then they got the new property ID they know the liability uh, amount and then they've gone and paid the liability for the local property tax for next year at their local post office but when they try to go online to register in an electronic form by doing it online Line. The post office option to pay is not listed. Now, I know that you can physically fill in a registration form and send it off to Revenue, and certainly on the paper registration. The post office option is there because I've seen it. I was helping somebody uh, to fill out a form only last week and I spotted the post office option. But the post office option is important for people who don't want to set up a direct debit, don't want to pay through a bank account, maybe don't have a bank account. People who still like to deal with cash and still like to deal with physically going into the post office. You can pay your local property tax through the post office but it seems that there is some kind of an anomaly where if you are putting in your method of payment in the electronic form, the post office option is not listed. Now I don't know why that is the case and we are great advocates for the post offices on this programme and we're always trying to encourage people to use their local post office as much as possible to do as many transactions as you can do. If you can do them at the post office please do because that ensures that we've got some kind of a future for our local post uh, offices. So certainly with the local property tax that is an option for people. You can pay it through the post office but I'm trying to find out why when you are registering online for your property tax why is the post office option not listed. So we'll see if we can get an answer on that as well but bear that in mind for people who will be due to pay their local property tax you can pay it in your local post office. So questions about the LPT please get those into us 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp to 0862. To we're still hearing about delays, by the way, on the Mill Street Road out of McCroom this morning. There was a number of delays earlier. I thought maybe it was just to do with rush air traffic, but John Paul is telling me we're still getting calls and still hearing that there are delays on the Mill Street Road out of McCroom. If you need to make a journey, factor that in. It may take you longer or hold off for another hour or two until whatever that backlog of traffic is all about, until that clears. We are all also on the program today going to pick up on something that we spoke about yesterday and that is to do with changes to the way funerals will be operating in the West Cork area and this seemingly is a directive that has come from the Bishop of Cork and Ross to do I'm imagining it's primarily to do with the fact that there are less priests available across the diocese to do all of the various the services and sacraments that need to be done so because of that lay people are going to be more involved when it comes to funerals and it's upset some people some people who contacted us yesterday weren't happy about it in particular I think a number of listeners contacted us because part of the new directive is going to be that you can't lie in repose the night before the funeral you know traditionally how we've done Irish funerals is you have a removal the removal goes to the church, usually the evening before the funeral. The body then will lie in repose in the church and the following morning, following day, family and friends will gather, funeral mass is held and then the burial or the cremation takes place after that. It seems under these new guidelines that's not to happen. There won't be a removal the night before. The removal will happen on the morning, the day of the funeral. So the removal to the church, then the funeral mass and then the the cemetery afterwards. And that upset some people. I mean, there's one listener in particular saying that they want to spend their last night, so to speak, on this earth. They want to spend it in the Lord's house. They don't want to be in a funeral home or they don't want it to be at home. Then There'll be others who who like this idea, particularly people who say their families are going to be awake at home and that the family member is going to be at home for the final night and go straight to the church. So there'll be others who will agree with it, but it doesn't. It's not a green, not everyone is happy with it. Uh, So we're going to find out more about that on the programme today. Nellie in Skibbereen has been on to us. She says, what will they do next? How come the Catholic Church is cutting back all of the time? I don't hear of much cutting back within the Church of Ireland. Nellie in Skibbereen says she's actually seriously thinking of changing her religion to going from the Catholic Church over to the Church of Ireland. They seem to be more religious and it seems to be more about God within the Catholic Church. Now she describes herself as not being mad Religious, but she said, I like to be, I like the idea of being respected, particularly in death. So Nellie is not happen, happy with what has been announced by the uh, Bishop of Cork and Ross. And then Mary in North Cork says that her brother in law died, when her brother in law died, it was a deacon who did the funeral prayers in the graveyard. And then they the deacon also took over at the end of the ceremony and she was also there for a rosary at the house as well and Mary said it was lovely and it was in Dublin and Mary said that this has been happening in Dublin for quite some time because with the population base there, they don't have enough priests to conduct all of the funerals so they have these, they're like a uh, kind of almost like a ministerial committee, like a funeral committee and they go around and they're deacons and they do various ceremonies are, are various parts of the sacraments like the taking over the end of the funeral or doing the rosary inside in the uh, house. And Mary says, reckons it's been happening for quite some time in the Dublin area. Also, Mary feels if there is such a fall off in priests, as we know, there are less and less vocations. Maybe it is a time now for the church to seriously start considering ordaining women Priests, yeah, you wonder with the fall off vocations, and in certainly there's a fall off vocations in a lot of countries. You wonder if that continues if we want to have a future for the Catholic Church what Pope is going to make that decision and and obviously it'll be the conclave of all the archbishops as well. Will that decision, will that decision be made in our lifetime, I wonder, in order for the future of the Catholic Church to continue, will we see the ordination of female priests? Thank you to Councillor Declan Hurley who's just pointed out for people who this is to do with the local property tax. Declan says, with regards to payment of the property tax through the post office, the post office payment option is covered under the service provider option you just click service provider option when you're registering online the valuation of your house and that allows you then to pay electronically with whatever service provider you want to use i.e. you can use the post office so it is there online it's under service provider uh, because somebody else says uh, Patricia I registered for the local property tax and I put in pay via the service provider I thought it was the post office what does it mean it does mean the post office it does mean you can pay uh, through the post office and then this is where a lot of people I think there is confusion about the local property tax this year and it's summed up with this listener saying and we're getting calls and similar texts like this hi Patricia we pay our local property tax by direct debit do we still have to value our house yes that's where the change has come in this year, everyone has been paying their local property tax. A number of people like this and like other listeners pay it by uh, direct debit. But it's been on what the house was valued at. Was it 2013 was that when we started paying local property uh, tax? You now have to revalue your house and it's what your house is valued at on the 1st of November 2021. So whatever you think your house was worth yesterday, that's how much you that you you work out then which band you're in and then your property tax is based on that. Obviously the theory is that most people people's houses have increased in value since we first started paying property tax. Uh, so that's why they're asking everybody to revalue even though for the majority of people when you go through this procedure you're not going to be paying uh, any more than what you paid over the last number of years. Now for a few people the value of their houses will have shot up but for most people because they've widened the bands you're not going to be paying uh, much more than what you paid uh, last uh, year. So just to, to bear that in mind. But a number of people are thinking because they pay by direct debit that they don't have to do anything else. You do and you have to do it this week because it's got to be in by the 7th of November. So John Paul is getting a number of calls as well. And we'll put all of those questions together and it'll be about 25 past, half past 11 that we will have somebody on from Revenue answering all of your queries. 18.50, We're going to take a break and we're going to go to Formoy to find out how Formoy Town is getting on uh, today. There was a, a major break, a water break yesterday, quite dramatic scenes went up on social media we'll find out how the t- town is doing this morning
3: court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie
2: The text in yesterday about this as well the organisers of the Rathgormick Cards which uh, was due to go ahead tonight they play on Tuesday nights they have decided to cancel this week and it's obviously due to the increasing Covid numbers And the problems that they have is that um, a lot of people travel from. Different areas, and particularly from areas across the border like uh, Limerick, Tipperary, and uh, Waterford. And they are fearful of people travelling and, you know, people bringing COVID 19 with them. So they're erring on the side of caution. So they have decided to cancel, but they want to get the message out because they don't want people travelling and then to turn up and to be disappointed because it isn't going ahead. So that's Rathgormick cards uh, due to be, take place tonight has been uh, cancelled. And they'll let us know when they're back up and running again. In now, repair works to a burst water main in Fomoy are set to, are to commence this morning. Dramatic footage emerged on social media yesterday evening of significant flooding at Kent Bridge in the town, as it appears that a water main had burst. Fomoy based councillor Noel McCarthy uh, joins me with an update on this. Uh, good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. How are now, you this morning? I'm very well. I'm I'm told, were you actually at the bridge when it happened? I was,
4: Patricia. I was travelling down from Barrickill in the town and I got to maybe just nearly half is over the bridge, coming down from the north side. And whatever look I gave, you know, it was a busy time of the day, an evening half-five. A lot of traffic, as you know, go over the bridge. And whatever look I gave to the right-hand side, I see water shooting up the gear. It's like something to have in a film. And I, 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 I really, and everybody was saying, where's the water coming from? And eventually I had to turn on the bridge to go back, but I could see, again, that there was something happening. And when I rang the engineer straight away in the council, they were on very, very fast, and I want a compliment for that. And I found out was the main water, pipe, saw, on the footpath, on the bridge, near the, the, the Hanley stock side of the, of the town. So it just happened at half the five yesterday. Evening.
2: Yeah, couldn't have happened at a worse time because of, you know, rush air traffic.
4: Yes, and it was really busy at the time and I want to compliment mortars. They, they really worked. They, they understood there was a problem. The Gardaí were there very fast. I want to compliment them. They really took matters and, and made everyone. It was a health and safety issue at the time but I think everyone did the right thing. A lot of people turned like myself in the bridge because they knew there was something serious after happening.
2: And okay, so was, obviously the bridge then was closed and did that cause major traffic chaos then?
4: It did, it did, Patricia. Like, as you know, the Kent Bridge is the only way over from, going from north to south in the town of Vermont, And when that's cut off, it causes a lot of inconvenience to a lot of people. We have an alternative which is unfortunately pulled and then that's when the problem started. People thought went to go to the pole to go from one side to the other on both sides, both north and south, and they are not banned. So you can imagine people know, there with no chains in their
5: pockets.
4: Oh. You can imagine how the tails back, Patricia, and it caused a lot of people a lot of inconvenience. Again, the GRD acted very fast. And well, uh, maybe they saw the tails back. They got the, the barrier lifted for a period of time, which helped hugely to get the traffic going from both sides of town. And at that time, you know, people were coming home from work. They were after having a long day, stuck in traffic then, didn't know what was going on. So it, it was really a lot of inconvenience. But it did clear after a while. But, but I think we should have something in place. Like I said before, when an incident, when the bridge is closed, we have a serious problem from, iPhone, from one side to the other and people really have to something you can kick in where it is automatically the bridge to, or the barrier should be lifted and we should have a different place. and so we've been talking about this for a long time mm. This again, isn't the first
2: time that no, we've discussed this Noel
4: No appreciate and I, again like all public representatives we're frustrated now and we can't blame direct recruit all the time for this they're a business they must make money we need to sit down now in our fairs, Yeah but incidents
2: like this no don't happen very often
4: no, no, and I agree. And and that's why we should have some system in place that it's after happening, the bridge is shut off, people need to go from one side of the town to the other. And the worst one of all, Patricia, was when people got home, yesterday, they were then thinking of their thoughts for, how are we going to go over the bridge this morning? Mm. So they were worried. We didn't know whether we were told, first of all, that the bridge would close for the night. Then it opened, thank God, around 10 or half past. And that gave people we have to send out the message and say, look, the bridge will be open in the morning. Because I had more phone calls and so had my colleagues, to you know, how were they going to get over the bridge? What's happening? Is the toll open? People going to work, going to school? So it was causing a lot of inconvenience and we should have a plan in place. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Place. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Rather than every time we discuss it saying something needs to be done. It really does. I mean, and, and, and let this be the last time and let's get a plan in place
4: and I agree with you and we do. and on fairness to my colleagues I spoke to a lot of them last night on the phone we're all under agreement in this that we need to do something about it and as I say it's not all direct rules we need to sit down with them with the council with all the stakeholders involved and sort this out once and for all because we've been talking too much about it and nothing has happened, nothing did, they, happened. Did,
2: this, did all the schools reopen this morning by the way?
4: Uh, no there was a couple of schools in the north side that had to close because of no water which is understandable St Joseph's uh, their school Blackwater Cresce I think the educate together again down in the other, on the south side, they had to close because there was no water. It just didn't affect all the north side of town, Patricia, being without water. It also affected Patrick Street, McCourt Street and all the side streets of it. So this is a major uh, pipe and a major break. But the good news is, Patricia, before I came on here with you, the repair is fixed. Everyone is, they're very hopeful to say that everyone have water. Before lunchtime.
2: So yeah, because like to... I'm just been told um, yeah. that that's just been confirmed. The from my uh, mains pipe has been uh, repaired, the, but water now is being released back into the system slowly. You can't just suddenly all gush back in again. Uh, they need to build up the pressure. So that is going to take number of uh, hours. A really yeah.
4: And, and can I thank the staff personally and this um, Patricia because I think they deserve a lot of credit. They've worked hard. It's a as you know, it's a very focal point in, in for my a busy route because on the N seventy two and that's the road. So it's a busy area to try to repair it at any time and they were out early this morning repairing it and fair play to them they did a good job. And of course the Gardaí for their efforts last night and this morning and the fire brigade were excellent last night because they did a good job as well and letting people know there was a serious incident. And all these people deserve a lot of credit for the work they've done.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and it's just one of those things. It happens. You you can't predict that you're going to have a burst of water main. It's just a really unfortunate thing that it happened.
4: Yes, and as you said again, we, we've we done enough to talk about from the in place and I will be raising it in this. We must to have something in this. We really must. That if an incident like this happens again, should sur- uh, a plan should automatically come on board and cut in, and everyone knows what's happening.
2: Yeah, yeah. And
4: that's what people—if I can just get—and people, all they wanted to know last night was information, and that's when they sending out the information, let them know that there's a break, they won't have water till, till maybe twelve hours or, or longer and knowing that the bridge is either open or closed. And
2: that's all people wanted to know. Okay. This all right, listen, we leave it there, Noel. Listen, thank you for that. Stay dry. <laughs> and uh, okay. thank thanks, thanks for joining us. No problem. Bye-bye. That Moy uh, Formoy-based councillor, Noel McCarthy. Uh, but the good news is that the bridge is opened in Formoy. The mains pipe has been repaired. Well done to all of the workmen involved there. But you may be waiting a little while to get your water back because it does have to be slowly released back into the system in order to build up the pressure. 1850 333 John Paul uh, taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. A reminder that Succession, the TV show Succession is back. It stars our favourite savagely wealthy family, the Roys. And you can listen in to C103 all this week as we're celebrating the release of the third series of Succession with Now. And you can win a holiday to New York Holiday to New York is worth €10,000. It includes your flights to New York. There's a limo transfer to a five-star hotel. You'll also get a helicopter ride over New York and there's also some spending money thrown in. How do you enter? You simply answer the question, who plays Logan Roy in succession? Is it A, Brian Cox or B, Courtney Cox? How do you enter? You need to text the word HOLIDAY Along with your answer, either A or B, along with your name, and you text it to 570. 570- That's 57080. Now calls cost €2. You need to be over 18 years of age to enter and by entering you're in with a chance to win a holiday worth ten One One text required per entry and you do need to get the bill payers permission. The winner will be announced on the 9th of November. For terms and conditions you can check out the competition page at c 103com IE.
1: Court today on C103.
3: With John Cusack Insurances Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.
2: Now, Derek has just been uh, on to us to say last week he had a, a bit of a, a cough. And uh, he contacted his doctor because he thought maybe he might need an antibiotic. You know, sometimes you can get a hacking cough. And of course, with COVID now, everyone was wondering, is it COVID or is it just a cough or what, what is it? So Eric, Derek aired on the side of caution and decided to ring his GP practice. So when he rang, he was speaking with him. He's an office person, excuse me, a receptionist inside in the doctor's surgery. And the receptionist told Derek that he would need to do an antigen test at home to see if he was positive or negative for COVID-19. Derek was a bit taken aback about that because he said with antigen testing at home, people mightn't be doing it correctly and you mightn't get the correct answer you, are, you could also get a false positive oh, you could get a false negative as well uh, Derek and he's wondering why doctors are giving out these instructions and, and I don't know how common how, what a common practice that is Derek because we certainly haven't been contacted by other people saying that the doctor has insisted that you go for an antigen test. What we have heard from lots of people when they contact their GP surgery with any kind of flu-like, cough-like symptoms, COVID-like symptoms. The majority of people we've heard from have been told you need to go get a COVID test first and if the COVID test comes back negative then go back to the doctor and they'll sort you out and see if you need an antibiotic or not. But I certainly haven't heard of unless it's something now that's been going to be introduced and the doctors are going to ask people to go out and buy an antigen test and tests themselves at home. I've, you know, as I say, is is it just something new? Is it something that's just happening in your own surgery, uh, Derek? And I don't know what you did because you said it happened last week. So I don't know whether you went and got the antigen uh, test or not. I have heard of lots of people who have bought antigen tests. You can get them. I certainly saw them on sale in my local chemist the other day. And I do know a lot of people who are buying antigen tests who are doing Just that if anybody in the house develops any kind of sniffles or coughs or colds and there are so many viruses doing the rounds at the moment. It's the time of the year. For it, and you are hearing of people coming down with all kinds of different coughs and colds. That you know, not always. Sometimes it's COVID, but it isn't always COVID. So people are erring on the side of caution and are buying antigen tests and having them at home to check themselves. And then, if obviously, then if you get a positive reading for an antigen test, you then have to go forward to get the PCR test done to get it absolutely confirmed that it is COVID. But Derek, no, you're you're the first to contact us on this programme to say that a GP practice insisted that you went and did an antigen test before the GP would see you. So let's put it out there to see is this a widespread thing that's happening? Is this something that local doctors are doing themselves? Has it, I, I certainly didn't see or read anything that the HSE has advised doctors to advise their patients to go and get antigen testing done. Because Derek is right, when you are doing the one danger with the antigen test is you have to put the swab right up the back of your nose. and It's a rather uncomfortable thing. Anyone who's ever been tested for COVID will know how uncomfortable it is. But then when it's you know, when you're getting a PCR test, you have a nurse actually doing it. So you just put up with the discomfort. But if you're sitting at home yourself putting a swab up the back of your nose, you wonder how much pain you're going to put yourself through in order to make sure that you do get an accurate result. So Derek is right, you may not be doing the test right and therefore how How sure can you be that you're not positive for COVID? But anyway, has anybody else heard of that? Contact the doctor's practice with flu or cold-like symptoms and the the GP practice asked the person themselves to go away and get antigen testing. Let us know if that is becoming widespread, please. 1850-333-103. And Lorraine has been on to say, Patricia, is there any news on people aged over 60 Getting their booster. My mother is 64 and I'm worried about her because she has a very weak chest and I would prefer if she had the booster because she's out and about the whole time doing her shopping and I'm very nervous every time she steps out of the house. I'm told that people aged between 60 and 69, Lorraine, so that's the age group that your mum falls into, they're going to be getting their COVID vaccine uh, booster at a mass vaccination centre. The people aged over 70, you'll be invited to go to your GP. And I know my own mother-in-law is in her mid 70s. Uh, she was messaging me last night to say she's already got a call from her GP. She's up in in, in Tipperary and she's been called for her booster on Saturday. So GPs certainly are calling people, but GPs are just doing the over 70s the 60 to 69-year-olds, you're going to be called to a mass vaccination centre. Now, the HSC say that arrangements are being put in place at this stage for the rollout, so they are working on it. A spokeswoman for the HSC said plans will link people to the same place where they received their initial jabs. People in the 60 to 69 age group will begin being invited for their booster dose it'll be five months after their second COVID-19 vaccine. So people in that age group, you've got to work out when did you get your second vaccine? And for a lot in that age group, it mightn't have been until August because the 60 to 69-year-olds were the age group that got the AstraZeneca, which meant there was a, wasn't there a three-month wait in between the first dose and the second dose? So some in that group maybe didn't get their second vaccine until August. So say they got it at the we'll get them the beginning of August, August, September, October, November, December. It would be January if they've got to wait five months. But that's what the HSE are saying. You get called for your booster five months after your second COVID-19 vaccination dose. So there is going to be, I think, going by that a bit of a wait for the people aged 60 to 69 and somebody yesterday was asking will we be getting the same vaccine that we got no certainly if you're in the 60 to 69 group you won't because that group are going to be offered either Pfizer or Moderna because the booster shots are all the mRNA dose Vaccines to all of the boosters are either Pfizer or Moderna. So definitely, people aged sixty to sixty-nine who got Astrazeneca will be getting a different, uh, a different vaccine at this time round. But plans have been put in place, and they say that it will be the rollout will be happening soon. But you will be called back to the vaccination centre where you got your original first and second shots. Now I know the Irish Pharmacy Union they were out yesterday saying that look at us, look at us in the pharmacies look at us at the chemists. We are more than willing to be available to give a booster uh, shot and they make an interesting point. They were saying uh, if people in, th- in that age group, 60 to 69, if they were going to their local pharmacy to get a booster they could get their flu jab at the same time so you could get a two for one and the Irish Pharmacy Union, you will remember last winter, they really stepped up to the mark when it came to giving out the flu vaccines because there was a huge push last year for people to get their flu jabs and actually the pharmacies 57% of all of the flu jabs that were given out for last winter were given out at a pharmacy I certainly went to the pharmacy to get my flu jab last year and I was back again this year we all toodled off as a family the three of us and we got our flu jab a couple of weeks ago but we got that at our, at our local pharmacy very very efficient uh, system so I could see why the pharmacy union was saying we are ready and uh, available but I know the HSE are saying that in the they will the pharmacies will continue to play an important role in the fight against COVID-19 but they say it doesn't include boosters so at the moment the HSE is not looking to the pharmacies to deliver any of the booster shots so if you're over 70 you'll be getting your call from your GP but if you're between 60 and 69, you're going to have to wait to be called by the HSC. But try and take a look on your calendar or take a look. You probably still have your vaccination card. I, and I, or is it even on your vaccine search when you got your second and final uh, shot five months after that you will be called for your booster. Mary says Patricia, I heard you mention about doing an antigen test at home well Professor Luke O'Neill, the lovely Luke O'Neill, he demonstrated how to do it on the Clare Byrne show on TV last night if anybody would like to check it out you can catch it once again on the player. He said the swab needs to be inserted into the nose about two centimetres okay, uh, which uh, doesn't says Mary, sound that too uncomfortable in case anyone is worried about doing it oh two centimetres isn't too bad I thought because I know I had to back in the very early days of the pandemic I came down with um Oh, really rotten kind of a, a cold and of course Covid at the time you had to go straight off for a Covid to test and I remember the swab at the back of my nose and it actually made my eyes at water not and that was only seconds but just not a nice uh, thing to have done on a regular basis for sure so two centimetres isn't too bad thank you for that Mary if people want to check that out if you just want to make absolutely sure if you're doing antigen testing yourself at home it's just to make absolutely sure that you're doing it right you can check it out on the RTE player it was on Claire Byrne last night. Thank you for your text Mary hope you're keeping well. John Paul's taking your calls 1850 333 you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103, 103
1: Cork Today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: I was talking about the vaccinations for the over 60s and the 60 to 69 year olds in particular are going to have to wait five months from the date of their second vaccine before they are entitled to a booster. A listener says, Patricia, if you're aged between 60 and 69, do you have to wait five months for a booster if you're immune compromised? I was vaccinated by my hospital because I was immune compromised, but the five months hasn't elapsed uh, yet. And obviously nervous about COVID and wanting uh, to get the booster sooner rather than uh, later well anyone that's immune compromised of any age group they've already started the rollout of the booster jabs for people aged over 65 in nursing homes those aged over 80 in the community but also people of all ages who are immune compromised so I would suggest maybe contacting your hospital to see have they a date for when you're going to get called back for your booster because the fact you're immune compromised your age doesn't come into it anyone who's immune compromised is already entitled to a booster now yesterday some listeners in West Cork spoke about changes to the way funerals will be conducted in the Diocese of Cork and Ross so we decided to get some clarity on the issue and joining me this morning the parish priest in Enniskine and that's uh, Father Tom Hayes. Good morning to you Father Tom.
6: Good morning Patricia. You're
2: you're very welcome to the programme. Now firstly, just to clarify something that I mentioned yesterday that a listener had said to us, the Bishop didn't send a letter to be read out at Masses, but it's a document that has been sent to priests regarding funerals going forward.
6: Well, yeah, it's not just being sent to priests, it's actually being sent um, to the whole diocese really. It's just being published as we speak. It um, has been sent to clergy and to undertakers and the people involved in funeral ministry in recent days and meetings have been held by the bishop, some online and some in person to launch it. And it will be available on the diocesan website later on today as well.
2: So, and the plan is to have more lay people involved in funerals going forward?
6: That's the, the main point of it, Patricia. I suppose one of the things that has happened over the decades in in this country is that we moved from a time when people were much more involved in funeral ministry and in funeral prayers and then we ended up with having an awful lot of priests and with especially with the emergence of funeral homes it ended up with just the priest standing up in the funeral home whereas when people were waked at home, it was the neighbours said the prayers, and it was family members said the prayers, and the different people had different roles in it. So in recent years in our diocese, what's already been happening is we've been establishing what are called parish funeral ministry teams. Well, these teams are a combination of the priest and trained lay people, and in some parishes there are deacons involved in the ministry as well. So the key point is that it's a team of people that are available to support the bereaved family and also to lead the prayers. So they do everything from helping the family to plan the funeral, leading the prayers the night before in the home or in the funeral home, and being involved on the day of the funeral as well with the
2: priest. And now more than ever, Father Tom, with an ageing, priest population and a fall-off invocation, teams like this are needed more than ever.
6: Yes, essentially. That, that's a big part of it. But I think it, it, it also is, to be honest, a transforming thing. I know that for me, say, in our parish, we introduced a funeral ministry team several years ago. And it was one of the best things that happened in the parish in recent years because 11 people um went off and did the training program, a short training program, and it changed really how we ministered to people because it meant I wasn't standing up on my own anymore in the funeral home. I was there with somebody beside me. So the ministry was shared and we planned it together and we did the prayers together. And sometimes then it ended up that I wasn't able to be there because there might be a station mass or there might be something else in the conflict. So the member, other members of the team continue to do the prayers and they do it beautifully and it's really nice and it's a fabulous ministry to be involved in. So over the next month or so, uh, the diff- most of the parishes in our diocese will be asking people, inviting people to it. It takes a certain kind of person to do this ministry. It's not for everybody, mm. but there are enough people who have the right gift to do it all right.
2: And there's something nice about having people from the local parish, because they're going to be people that you will know.
6: Absolutely. Yeah. And um, and they're, you know, the the person who is deceased and who's being prayed for may very well have known this person Mm. as well. Mm. And, um, you know, one of our ministry teams said to me recently that one of the nicest things that she was able to do was when her one of her own parents died and she was able to lead the prayers herself in her own home place and had been prepared and trained to do it. And she said it was a real blessing and a privilege to be able to do that. Now, the generation ahead of her would have done that comfortably enough. You know, people were used to leading the rosary in their own homes all the time. Um, But now it's a little bit different and people need to be trained and helped to do it. And it's a wonderful thing to do.
2: And obviously, during the pandemic, you weren't able to use any of those teams.
6: No, that was one of the big losses. You know, you, I know in the earlier part of your program there, you've been dealing with a lot of questions and people. And people are still anxious and concerned about the, the COVID and the vaccines and all of that as well. But definitely one of the big losses was when we had to stand down the parish ministry teams. But we're actually bringing them back into ministry now and into activity again gradually in the parishes. And we'll be inviting new people into it as well. And I suppose one of the other things that's in the new policy is that, and this is partly as a result of the pandemic, the pattern of how funerals got carried out has changed a bit. So, you know, traditionally there was a maybe a rosary one night, a removal another night, and then the funeral mass the day after. And during the pandemic, the people were just brought to the church immediately before the mass. And in the consultation that the bishop and the diocese have done, Most people actually want to keep that, Um, so they've opted for having a prayer service either in the home or in the funeral home the night before, which will be led by members of the parish's funeral ministry team, which includes the lay people, the priest and the deacons, and then the person being brought to the church just before the Mass. And that seems to be the preferred option uh, that most people are going for now as well.
2: Yeah, but can, so they,
6: and, they, they, and and that
2: and and that obviously for for some families they like the idea, particularly families who go the old traditional route of waking somebody at home. Yes. And and during COVID times, I had a, a very very dear person who passed away, and that's exactly what we did. The wake, we we had him at home for the last night, and then we went down to the church the next morning and. The funeral uh, took place then with just the 10 of us inside, inside in the church. Uh, but I have to say yesterday, the calls and the text that we got from people who were most upset by the changes was to do with that. The fact that for some people, they like the idea of lying in repose in the church the night before the funeral. And they don't like that that's been taken away from them.
6: And I suppose, you know, this is a very individual thing. A lot of people will have different preferences. I suppose, there's a bit of a tension here. I've dealt with families over the years who maybe their loved one wanted to be left in the church, and yet they really wanted to have the person at home. They wanted to be with the person for that last night, as you said, in your example there. And I think that's the dominant sentiment, actually. And for people, for people who have walked through this journey painfully during the pandemic, I think the experience has changed how they feel. For people who only have the experience pre-pandemic, there are some people still want to go back to the way that it was. That's unlikely to happen, I think. One of the things that we've been hearing pretty consistently for all the families who have had a bereavement and a loss during the pandemic was that in spite of the restrictions, they actually felt that it was they could be much more present it was much more prayerful. The focus was really on where they wanted it to be rather than on the chaos that sometimes ensues when you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of people coming around you and and the pressure that that can bring. So I think the people, listening to the people that have walked that journey for the last nearly two years now, their sentiment was that this is actually much easier. It's a nicer experience for them and they actually prefer to have the person at home and bring them to the church in the morning.
2: Okay, and there's also going to be changes. Or are you going to stop open coffins in, in churches? But that, that's not a very common practice, is it? A, it's not very no. common.
6: No, it's not very common, Patricia. Um, but so, so you saw some people raised that, that in, in a few areas. It had become an intermittent issue in recent years, and I suppose they felt that we should keep the church just as the sacred place, that it not to make it another funeral home, but to actually keep the church as the place for prayer. Uh, now, just to be clear there, sometimes people have a real situation where maybe somebody has a funeral and a loved one flies in the morning of the yeah. funeral and they just make it to the church. We're not saying that that's a problem, of course.
2: Yeah, it's exceptional circumstances, yeah.
6: But this is where, you know, there were a few incidences of the church literally being open for three hours, the coffin being open at the top, People forgetting that there was actually the Blessed Sacrament was there, that it was really a place of prayer and it actually isn't a funeral parlour.
2: Yeah, Eddie has a memory. He, he reckons many years ago that when a corpse was removed to a church it, on the evening of the removal, the coffin was placed in the mortuary. The mortuary was sealed off from the church. Yes, there was a separate entrance. And he reckons it's only in the last 20 years or so that the corpse got left in the church overnight. Do you you have a memory of that?
6: I do, in fairness, yeah. Um, It's probably a good bit more than 20. Yeah, Um, I think it is as well. (laughs) But anyway, we're all doing a bit of denial about these things. Um, But yeah, it's true to say that a lot of the churches had a mortuary and the tradition was that the body was not brought into the main body of the church for the Mass. And also, in many cases, I remember when I was an altar server as a child, uh, the mass was said in the morning and there was just the family present. Okay. And then the burial was in the afternoon and the people gathered outside of the church and the priest said prayers inside in the mortuary. And the, the coffin was brought out the side door of the church and straight to the burial ground so he's he's correct that yeah, was the yeah.
2: tradition yeah and and when you know when you talk about the covert uh, funerals and there were so many sad sad passings uh, during the pandemic that what's what started out as uh, almost it became a tradition i think in many areas because people couldn't go to the funeral lining the route to the yeah. cemetery lining there was something very moving about that
6: I think especially when the rest of the world was standing still. It has moved a little bit now. I notice now, it's you know, we've kind of gotten into a bit of both worlds now again. What I mean by that is there are still people lining the routes occasionally now when somebody's being taken to the church. But the regular ongoing traffic is also flying up and down the road as if nothing was going on. Mm. I think... For me, the poignancy of those moments, and I remember leaving houses, uh, having said a prayer in the home with a family with just maybe five or six people present and heading to the church and passing people at every gate and every crossroads. But there was no other car on the road and there was no lorries passing and there was no delivery trucks and the world was quieter and the world was calmer and there was a real awareness of that sacred moment, the journey that that person was taking. I think maybe that is being diluted now again by our return to so-called commercial normality, if you like. Um, but but just, just the way we are. But yeah, I think I agree with you. Those, those moments, I think, were really sacred. And also, the, I think they're lovely memories for the people who were bringing a loved one to the church or to the burial ground in those times. They have very clear pictures of seeing the neighbours standing at the gates Mm. and standing at the crossroads and just paying their respects. There's something powerful about standing with people, you know. We're in the Novena now for the Holy Souls beginning today. And I think it's powerful, that tradition that we have in this country of people, you know, just being there for those who have died as well as for those who are bereaved. There's something really healing about being aware of others being on the journey with you.
2: How has the pandemic been for you, uh, Father Tom? It, has it been very tough?
6: It's been a seesaw, to be honest, I'd say, and I think most of my colleagues would feel the same way. Um some things have been very challenging, um, and some things there have been an awful lot of real blessings as well, you know. Being being there with families in those kind of situations that we've been talking to, um, has been a real blessing and it's a real privilege. You know, there was very few people able to go into other people's homes. And yes, I know we were going in very often uh, with gowns and masks and all kinds of precautions being taken. But to still be there and, um, you know, to go to somebody who's at that threshold moment of life and the privilege of being there with them in that sacred moment is something very special. It's it's special all the time. But in the pandemic, it was layered up and it was really important to be there. So uh, most of us were able to do that when when called upon. Um, I suppose the the hard bit has probably been actually in recent months in doing the catch-up with all the sacramental moments that were missed out on yeah. by the youngsters in schools and by couples preparing weddings and so on. So we have managed to work through a lot of that now in recent times. Parishes have been really busy in recent months with First Communions and First Penance, Confirmations and Weddings as well. And um, But each of those special moments is really nice. It's just that other times we've maybe come to it a bit more relaxed and people have been... But people have been really good and I'd like to pay a special tribute to the teachers in our schools who've absolutely been fantastic. Um, right, you know, they've kept the schools open, they've minded the children, kept the children happy, and they've in recent times helped us to prepare them for those sacramental moments, under significant pressure and under strain as well, and including going back and catching up with ones who are now gone into secondary schools and so on and organising their confirmation. So an awful lot of good has been done. Yeah,
2: and you know something, I think those children, because we all remember our First Holy Communion, we all remember our confirmation, I think those children will have great stories as adults to tell their children and their grandchildren about their communions during COVID times.
6: Absolutely. And their children will probably be asking them, with God's help, what was that thing across your face that you had in the photograph?
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And, and and only the the one, I think, a very difficult time that a lot of people and I only spoke about it last week when I had the lovely Alice Taylor on about her latest book. Was that period when the churches had to be locked during the day? That yeah. was that was I, I remember myself going down. I wanted to light a candle for somebody and um, I'd completely forgotten that the, and it, to go to a church door and for it to be bolted shut. Stopped me in my tracks. I have to say, and and Alice was saying the same thing in in, in her book. There was there was a there was a, a sadness and, and a loneliness. I think about it.
6: There was, and you know, we were a lot of the things that we were used to got taken away from us, and that was one of the important things. Like uh, you'd be amazed how many people come to a church during the day and come to a cemetery day in day out, all kinds of hours of the day, and um, to have that. It kind of patterned and stopped as well. Yeah, it was very difficult, and I think worst of all was I think when 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 it had to be done that the older people were told that awful thing to cocoon, and and it was a time of real fear for an awful lot of people. And I actually think that a lot of the people in that age bracket are still not kind of healed from that from that fear. So as a society, I think we're going to have a big challenge whenever things free up again more easily to encourage people of that age group especially to reconnect to come out for the cup of tea to come to the social gatherings in the parish halls and the community centers and the and the you know all those places that they were used to going a lot of them are just spending a huge amount of time at home now and i find even when we visit them on the first friday calls for example um there's a sense of, there's a real tangible isolation in spite of the care that they're getting from families. They're really missing that sense of, and they're asking, how's so-and-so over the road? I haven't seen her now in nearly two years. And that's the real hard bit, I think, for that mm-hmm. age group.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and just a final I don't know if you can answer this or not. Uh, are churches still being sanitised? And somebody says, why are some churches uh, still doing social distancing?
6: The The, the sanitising, yes. All of our churches have sanitizers at the doors for people going in and for people coming out. And we're also sanitizing the churches after each Mass. All of the parishes have a tremendous metal of volunteers who, to be fair to them, are the they're kind of the unseen heroes of the parishes during the pandemic because they're only working in the quiet background when everybody else is gone. And um, so they are actually sanitizing the churches after each Mass and each other event after a funeral or after a christening and so on. Um, Why are some of the churches doing social distancing? Because, I suppose, the bottom line is that the pandemic isn't over. Mm -hmm. The virus is still there. I look at the figures
2: at the moment. I would be be saying well done to a church that is still doing social distancing. And our churches are big enough to do it.
6: Most of the churches have some element of social distancing. What we find now is that some of the churches have divided the church space into two parts. That one half of the church still has ribbons up in every second seat, and the other part doesn't. So people can make a choice as to where they're more comfortable. If they want to keep the social distance of the two metres, they can. If they're more comfortable. And a household, for example, can sit together in one pew, and there's no problem with that. So um, we're going to do our best. We're still going to be aware of it. It's really important. And we're still ventilating the churches. It's a bit of a challenge now as the weather gets cold, but, you know, keeping the doors open. But it's better to keep people safe, and people might just need to bring an extra jacket. <laughs>
2: yeah. Wear your good winter coat and bring that's your it. bring your scarf and gloves. Listen, like you people look, did long ago. Yeah, there was no yeah.
6: radiators. At that's
2: all it. That's it. Listen, you look after yourself, and thanks a million for joining us on the program you this too, morning. Good morning, Thank God, bless, God bye bless. Bye bye. That is uh, Father Tom Hayes, uh, parish priest in Enniskine. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul, taking your calls, text, to WhatsApp. Oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. C one zero three jobs. In Chidani Island Lodge and Spa. They've got vacancies for bar and waiting staff. They're looking for cleaning staff, a night porter, kitchen porters and they're also looking for therapists. Call 021-882-1104 or you can email eShepard at com. Construction workers wanted for Carrick Tool and Lissavard in Clonakilty. CVs please to jobs at com. Caretaker wanted for maintenance of pitches and clubhouses in Blarney, Whitechurch, Grenagh and Kilcolly. 021 384444. And an, ins- an installation coordinator is required for auto roller doors. They're based in Kanturk. So these please to Catherine at autoroller.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
1: Court Today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G well,
2: The deadline for submitting your local property tax return is now just under a week away. And joining me this morning with all of the advice is Sinead Cunningham from Revenue's Local Property Tax Branch. Good morning to you, Sinead. Good morning, Patricia. And thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. Okay, let's start with what are the three items a property owner needs to know in relation to the local property tax?
7: First of all, uh, Patricia, thanks for having me on the show and giving me the opportunity to speak to your listeners. Uh, Local property tax is an annual charge based on your evaluation of your property. I suppose up until now, that charge was based on a valuation from 2013. Property owners are now required to revalue their property based on the market value on the 1st of November 2021. And that new valuation will determine the amount of LPT to be paid for each year from 2022 to 2025. So the three important things that property owners now need to do is determine the market value of your property as at the 1st of November 2021, Submit this valuation in your LPT return by the 7th of November 2021 and pay or make arrangements to pay your LPT for 2022. The easiest way to meet your obligations is online. You can access the LPT portal directly through www.revenue.ie or you can log in through my account or Roth services on the revenue website.
2: Now, as you say, that is the easiest way to do it online, but I'm very conscious of some of our older listeners who mightn't be, uh, mightn't have online access. Also, there's people who live in areas with very bad broadband as as well. You can submit through the post.
7: Well, we issued um, around 200,000 paper returns. So if you received a paper return, you can return that by the 7th of November. Now, if you didn't receive a paper return, and you don't have access to the online service. Um, if you could ask a family member or a friend maybe to assist or the local assistance information. Or alternatively, you can ring our helpline where an agent will assist you with filing the return and setting up the payment arrangement. Or alternatively, you can write to us with your valuation and um, the, your payment option.
2: Okay, what about people who are saying that they didn't get a letter? Sinead, from Revenue?
7: Okay, well, we've issued um, approximately 1.4 million letters to um, property owners. Some of them by post, some of them through My Account, and some of them through Roth. So, first of all, I'd ask your customers to ensure that they check uh, My Account in their My Documents or in their Roth inbox. Now, there will be a small number of people who weren't previously registered for property tax, For instance, someone who built their house in 2016 or 17, and that property, it might not be registered yet. So if they need to register their property, they can go on to My Account, they can go on to Ross. If they already have a property, they can register through the LPT portal or alternatively make contact with Revenue to get that property registered
2: yeah cuz somebody is saying i have been exempt from property taxes i built a new home back in 2014 2015 when do i start paying property tax on my property i've never received any correspondence from revenue since i spoke with them back in 2014
7: okay well that's a prime example now that person the property wouldn't have been liable back in 13 but it will be liable for 2022 onwards so i'd recommend that if they have online access go into my account and click on the register new property alternatively through Roth or make contact with us to the LPT helpline.
2: And for people who don't want to pay online, the post office option?
7: Of course, yeah. You can pay through a service provider such as Post Office, PayZone or OmniVent. You can also, if you're submitting a paper return, you can send in a cheque but I'd advise um, listeners to make sure that they put their property ID and their PPS number on the cheque.
2: Okay, and and when you're when you get the paper version, it does give you the post office option. Is the it pa- does. is is the post office option also in when you go electronically online? It is. Yes. Yeah. All right, because we have a very complicated query in from somebody who was registering a second house has paid but when they're online they can't see the post office option but it's actually it's just so complicated it's somebody who needs to, to get through to you uh, themselves to speak with you but uh, they've been sending us various texts this morning saying that they've been trying to get through to you online your phone lines Sinead are incredibly busy.
7: Okay, I'll just go back to that um, query first of all. If you're a multiple property owner, as in you own more than one property, you don't have the option to pay at the post office. So just to clarify on that.
2: Okay, so that's Um, where the problem is, because it's a second home he's after buying. He was able to pay the first one. Okay.
7: Yeah. The other query then with the phone lines, they are exceptionally busy at the moment. We're experiencing huge call volumes. So I would say to your listeners, if they need to contact the helpline, to try and contact in the afternoon because it is exceptionally busy in the morning. So I'd recommend trying in the afternoon instead.
2: Okay, because the listener says hi. I got onto Revenue last week to find out about my property tax. It took a while for me to get a, to get answered, but I stuck with it and I spoke to a very helpful man who sorted me out in no time. So, That's so great, to hear. So, so you're doing well. You're doing That's once, good, but it's just the volume of calls so people just need to be a little bit uh, patient. Exactly. Uh, can, can you go through, Sinead, how somebody determines the current value of their property?
7: Okay, so there's a range of um, guides available to people. For example, on the revenue website, we have an interactive valuation tool. So to use this, you can put in your air code, and it'll zone in and it'll give you uh, an indicative value of your property. If you don't have your air code to hand, you can zoom into a particular area, and that'll give you a valuation. Now, this is a guide, you know, it's the substance tax um, the onus is on the property owner to determine the correct valuation. Alternatively, you can go to the property price register, which contains details of all the properties sold in the state since 2012. You can refer to local newspapers, the property section in local newspapers. You could also go to myhome.ie or daft.ie and use these as a guide. And then when you have your valuation, then you determine what band that valuation falls into. I suppose for for your Cork listeners, the local authority then can decide to increase or decrease the base rate by uh, 15%. So for Cork City, the local authority have increased the rate by 9%, and for Cork County Council, they have increased the rate by 7.5%. Now, the bands are very wide, so it's not so much an exact valuation down to the last euro, property owners need to determine but rather an honest and realistic approximate value. And I'd also remind listeners they should keep a copy of any information sources and documentation that you use to determine the market value of your property.
2: Somebody says, we pay our local property tax by direct debit. Do we still have to value our house? And this is where the confusion is is coming in. People who have been paying by direct debit, you still have to value your house by the yes. 7th of... of November?
7: Yes, regardless of whether you have a payment method in place and if you're paying by direct debit it'll roll forward you ought, you have to value your property as at the 1st of November 2021 because the value that's currently on our record is back to 2013.
2: If you've opted to pay in the post office somebody's asking, will a letter, another letter be sent out by revenue for you to
3: pay?
7: No. no, once you have opted to pay in the post office you just go to the post office And pay. You either pay a once off in full, or you have the option to pay weekly or monthly.
2: Okay, uh, and then a uh, couple of queries in with uh, kind of the same thing people disagreeing with the value that's on the reckoner that's online. Here's one that says Hi, Patricia, my home has been moved into band two from 200,000 to 262,000 compared to the last time when it was in the band of 100,000 to 150,000. There's no way my property value has risen that much. I can't afford to get it valued professionally. Uh, but I, I think it is more suitable in band number one which is from 0 to 200,000 and that is definitely what it is worth. There are no similar houses in my area for sale for me to get an estimate of local house values. When I look into estimate for the area all the houses seem to be in the same bracket which makes no sense at all because none of the houses are the same. I don't want to overvalue my house because surely that will affect my house insurance valuation but my house is definitely worth well under 200000 What do I do?
7: Okay well in that scenario as I said earlier the, the online is only a guide you know, the property owner is best placed to put a value on the property, we wouldn't have, we'll say, the exact information on each house in the state. So if that listener feels that her valuation is the correct valuation for that property, that's what she submits on her LPT return.
2: Yeah, it's an honest and fair valuation. Exactly. That's, that's yes. the key to it. Uh, John in Lismore said that he is going for the lower band because his house is uh, is in an area that floods a lot and because of that he'd have a huge problem selling his house and the value of his house uh, wouldn't be the same if he wasn't in a flood uh, area. But he's now fearful. Would he get penalised if he undervalues the house with revenue? Well,
7: Again, he's based in his valuation on the information available to him and it's an honest valuation um i'll just say on the valuation the majority of lpt customers are compliant and um once you base your valuation in an honest you know evaluation there won't be an issue with it now on the rare occasion there can be concern around some valuations and Revenue will engage with the LPT customers about the valuation and may ask for evidence of how to, how they came to that valuation.
2: Okay, Michael says he's paid his property tax and Revenue keeps sending letters from the Clare Revenue Office stating that he hasn't paid. He has paid every year at the post office and he's all the receipts to prove it.
7: Okay. Um now, I'd be interested to speak to that listener if they were in agreement, if they could leave their contact details with you, Patricia, okay,
5: and I, I will. will phone yeah.
2: them. Okay. Uh, yeah. John, if Michael, if you want to ring John Paul back, because I don't know if John Paul has your name and number. Thank you for that, Sinead. Sinead, we'll look yeah. into it. Eileen wants to know, when does the local property tax have to be paid for 2022?
7: Okay. So, the payment dates then are... If you're going to pay by deduction at source through your salary, pension or um, social protection payments or um, the service provider, the 1st of January is when those payments will commence. The 12th of January is the payment deadline if you're going to pay in full by cash, check, postal order, credit card or debit card. 15th of January is the date when you start to pay if you're paying by direct debit and the 21st of March is the date if you're paying by an annual debit instruction from your bank account.
2: OK, so there's a number of different dates there. And I can still see a number of texts coming in, people saying that they didn't get a letter about the local property tax. Do they just need to get on, have patience and get on to the helpline?
7: Yes. Yeah. Check First of all, check their Roth inbox if they're registered or my account to make sure that the correspondence isn't there in their inbox.
2: Okay, and have many have many filed already in advance of next Monday's deadline, Sinead? Approximately seven
7: hundred thousand returns have been received.
2: And what's the total? How many?
7: Well, we don't have full details yet, yeah. but in or around um,
2: one point nine million. Okay, people leaving it to the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and Nancy says uh, we filled uh, we 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 went online and filled in our local property uh, tax, but we just paid the amount that was stated on the letter, and we never specified the value of the house. Is that okay? And they
7: haven't filed the returns. They have
2: no. They 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 filed online, but Nancy said she didn't put in the value of the house. We just paid the amount that was stated on the letter from Revenue.
7: Okay, when you're filing the return, you have to put in the valuation. There's a drop-down menu where you click evaluation. So if she's happy that that's the correct valuation, the amount that she paid with, say, the correspondent valuation, if she's happy with that, then she doesn't have to do anything further. If she's not happy that this is the correct valuation, she can go back in online and click on the correct return option and amend it if required.
2: OK, and Magella says, there is a similar pro- property for sale in our estate. Can I just use the asking price for that house, even though I don't know what it will actually sell for in the end, uh, says Magella? It's actually higher than what the local property tax form has valued my house at. Somebody being very honest.
7: <laughs> OK, if she's satisfied that that is a comparable property, then that would be a good guy to use when valuing her own property.
2: Okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. And very finally I paid by check at the end of September and I didn't get a receipt. Says a texter, "Do you issue receipts?"
7: Did they Yeah, we do issue some receipts. Um again, if they want to provide their contact details, I can look into it and come back to them.
2: Okay. All right. And and very finally one, I valued my house online yesterday, but I want to pay at the post office. What do I need to do uh, this morning? To go in and pay, I don't want to pay online. Okay, you just
7: go to your local post office and make sure you have your property ID and you just give it to the um, teller in the post office and they'll process the payment for you. You can pay in full or you can choose to pay monthly or weekly.
2: Hi, I was in the post office this morning and I was told by one of the staff members you need a barcode to scan. I don't have a barcode.
7: Okay. No, they can give the property ID. All the post offices have been updated on this. They provide their property ID to the teller, and they will take the payment
2: once they have the property ID. Okay, you can you can go back and say you heard it on the on the radio. Okay, and a very final one. Sorry, they're coming in hot and heavy. I'm selling my. I've been selling my house since June, and I haven't signed off on the sale yet. But it's going to be signed off sometime this week. Do I still need to pay the local property tax for next week? He's selling gas. Yes
7: that listener does because he is the owner of the property on 1st of November 2021 so he is liable for LPT for 2022.
2: Okay. Alright Sinead listen you're a mind of information. Thank you for that and uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, you thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is uh, Sinead Cunningham from the Local Property Tax Branch at Revenue. 1850
1: 333 103
3: lines open. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurances can sale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See mig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Now local property tax particularly for the people who are, and we're getting a lot of calls from people saying, no, I did not get a letter from a local property uh, tax uh, people. And then other people have other queries that we certainly couldn't deal with. Too complicated for us to deal with them over the radio. Uh, these are people who need to contact Revenue. There is a local property tax number for Revenue where they deal only with local property tax issue. It's a Dublin number, 7383626. That's 01 3626. Now I will say to you straight away, you will need to have patience when you're contacting that number because of the volume of calls that they have been receiving over the last number of weeks for people who have queries about their local property tax. And I'm imagining a lot of the calls are to do with the valuing of the house and people disputing the value of the house when they go on to the reckoner that's online from uh, Revenue. But remember, the reckoner that's online, the tool you can use online from Revenue is just a guide. Um, And it's just... uh, it's what they think is the average price in that area it might not necessarily be what your house is actually valued, valued at so you do need to keep that in mind but for people who didn't get letters they certainly need to contact uh, Revenue because if you haven't got a letter you haven't got a property ID and therefore you won't be able to go online or fill in a paper return or even go to the post office to pay so for those people it's important that they contact Revenue on that special helpline 017383626 017383626 The opening hours of that helpline is from half nine in the morning until half four in the afternoon. They operate Monday to Friday. Uh, Sinead from Revenue was saying to us the morning times are the busiest times. So hold off and maybe contact them this afternoon. And then when you are contacting them, even in the afternoon, you're going to need to have patience. You could be on the phone for quite some time because we've had a number of people got very frustrated and gave up during the week. They were telling us that they just they just couldn't stay on the line any longer. And Christy has been back to us uh, just because we got his the problem that he had, uh, the we got that sorted by Sinead. Christie was the person who bought a second property. He likes to do all his business through the post office. He paid for his original house property tax to the post office. He was trying to do the same with the second property, but when he went online, wasn't given the option. Even though a number of people said that when they went online, they were given the option to pay at the post office. But if you've only got one house, you can pay for it. You can't. You do get that option. But people that have more than one house, unfortunately, the only way is to pay it online. So Christy has been back saying, Patricia, thank you for getting that option issue cleared up for me based on the revenue government response. It's obvious to me they're continuing to try and move more people away from the post office. This is an utter disgrace. It looks like I'll be forced to help continue the demise of the post office to force. I'll have no other choice but to pay on uh, line. And that's from uh, Christy because lots of people want to pay at the post office and you can still pay at the post office but you need to let revenue know what is the estimate that you are putting on your house but once you do that you're not going to get another letter from revenue that normally you were getting every year that you were bringing into the post office so just bring in the original letter you would have received from revenue that will have your property ID on it go into the post office and you'll be able to tell whoever postmaster postmistress how much you're paying and they'll use that property ID and you should be okay then okay what else is coming into us on this there on churches let me see that I've got all of the revenue ones uh, done Uh, There's so many coming in to us. Let me check over here. Yeah, I think I've all of those done. Okay, all right. Then a lot of commentary in reacting to Father Tom Hayes. Father Tom Hayes, parish priest in Eskeen. We asked him to join us about funerals and the changes that are going to happen to funerals in Cork and Ross. And I'm assuming that we can take it that this is going to be happening in all other dioceses all over the country. Mike says, uh, Patricia, how are you? I listened with interest to Father Tom Hayes on the future of funerals. It's interesting how the pandemic has changed how funerals are carried out. I do feel that the option should be given to families, including the wishes of the person who has just passed away. I imagine many of the older people would still like the idea that they would spend their final night on this earth in their local church Surely that option should be given to them. The funeral ministry teams are of course a great help in parishes where they do exist. It takes a lot of work to get families used to a new system. We had a team here which unfortunately was disbanded by a priest when he came with us to take up duty. A very sad decision in my opinion. Lots of changes will definitely be happening in the coming times. Not all churches by the way are still being sanitised unfortunately which is crazy says Mike. Yeah well I did put that to Father Tom but he was obviously speaking about his the, his own churches that he deals with and he said certainly sanitation is going on so it must vary I take it from uh, church uh, to church but you are right when, when any kind of change happens it does take time and I think this idea of having these funeral teams but it was interesting to hear Father Tom say that they were there in the past and then they were done away with. And he's right when you think back to uh, many years ago, it was local people who came into a house and led the funeral and said the funeral prayers. And then that changed. And we just simply, we simply do not have enough priests. That's the, there, there's no other way around it. And you know, you, Mike, you're right. There's a lot of things I think are going to change in in the coming times because of a lack of vocations. Uh, hi, Patricia. The Listening to Father he sounds like a lovely man. He does indeed. He does. Talking of the churches being closed during the pandemic, uh, Patricia, I felt that was a very stupid decision. I decision. also felt it was unnecessary. Also, the church stewards, this is one listener feels, are putting people off. They're at the door telling you to sanitise. They need to cop on. Uh, they don't need to lose their head. I was in a church in the county recently and it was like a play was going on. I was actually laughing. The Stuarts went to the top of the church at the start of communion and backed all the way down until they got to the bottom seat and those in the bottom seat had received First Holy Communion. How funny it all looked. Now they're treating us all like brainless individuals. Why do this what do the Stuarts know that we don't know? Oh my God, they made a theatre out of the church, says one listener and that was obviously on the church that they were in. And remember all of those Stuarts are giving up their time you know, let's, they're all volunteers as well and particularly the ones that go around and do all the sanitising. I mean, listen to Father Tom, a lot of that sanitising could be going on and you're just not seeing it because it's done when everybody's left the church. So maybe people are wrong to say, oh, my church hasn't been sanitised. You don't know what goes on when you're not inside in the actual church because according to Father Tom, they certainly are sanitising after every church uh, service. And then somebody else says, Father Tom is saying he's speaking on the, for the majority of people and this was with regard To, he reckons a lot of people prefer to have their loved one reposing at home for the final night rather than reposing inside in uh, the church. I've always loved the church and the peace and the love of that church, I feel, has been taken away from me. To think the corpses wouldn't be allowed to spend their last night with the Lord, that doesn't sit well with this particular uh, texter. Someone else says you're talking about funerals. If these lay people, these teams of funeral ministries, will be helping the family out, will they have to get paid like the priest get paid? If so, does that mean that the funeral bill will be higher? My funeral plans won't be changed, says this texter. No, I'm, I'm assuming that it's they're all volunteers. All of those people volunteer within the parish. I don't think any of them are going to be uh, going to be paid. So I think you're wrong on that one. Eighteen fifty-three-three-three-one-zero-three, but. It it is as Mike says, it's a case of everybody having to get used to it because this is the way it is going to be going forward. OK, then on a couple of other issues in to me. Hi, Patricia. A friend of mine has just realised his driving licence is out of date by 13 months. What I'm wondering today, says this texter, can that person still drive until the licence is renewed? I would be saying to your friend, get in and get his licence renewed ASAP. Now, When he says it's out of date by 13 months, remember that there was extensions announced to the expiry date on a lot of driver's licence that were due to expire up to just the other day, the 31st of October of 2021. Now, a lot of those extensions have come to an end, which means people's driving licence is now out of uh, date. And actually, if you can go online, you can check the expiry date of your licence online. The NDLS, the National Drivers Licence Service, they're now open again, but they're open by appointment. The walk-in service is gone. If you have a public services card or a MyGov ID, then you can apply and do it online at ndls.ie. But I would be saying to your friend, get in there quick because his problem is going to be if he get stopped by a member of the Chiakona, because by law, you are required to carry your driving licence with you at all times. And when your driving licence runs out you must uh, renew it if you want to continue driving. So I would say to him get his licence start applying to get his licence renewed and if you stop by Shikona, he can explain that he's having his renewed at the moment but he might not be 13 months out because of all of those extensions that were added to driving licence because of COVID-19. I remember all the NDLS centres were closed and people couldn't go in and actually renew their uh, licence. Uh, thank you for your uh, text Hi Patricia. I'm immune compromised just to let people know I got my booster vaccine five weeks ago it was requested by my oncologist so people who are, are immune compromised Are uh, As I mentioned earlier, they are already starting to get called in and they're working through the immune compromise. They're working through the over 80s. They're working through the over 65s who are living in nursing homes. And now we know they're going to start with the 60 to 69 year olds at vaccination centres and the over 70s are going to be at their GPs. Now, Neil falls into that character into that category have been over 70 and immune compromised and he says morning Patricia I received a text to get my booster jab two weeks ago at the City Hall I was rather concerned about this as I was nervous when it comes to City driving I'm 71 and I'm immune compromised so that's why I was called. I did phone my GP practice and they said no they're only giving boosters to the over 80s. I don't know if the criteria has changed in the last fortnight but I would just like to add how efficient things were at at City they have Neil you've just missed out by two weeks they've literally the new criteria allowing GPs to do the over 70s that's only now being introduced I don't have the time frame whether it's going to actually start this week or whether we'll be into next week, but that criteria has changed. But good to know that you got your booster and that you were looked after so well in City Hall. All of those vaccination centres are just run so well. They they really are in, uh, incredible. And here's one, and I don't know if this has happened to anybody else or anyone else can offer advice to our listener here to say, I share a postcode, the aircode, with my neighbour. What can I do i've rang to get a new air code, and i 've never heard back from them. Has that happened to anybody else where it's somebody living obviously in a rural area, two houses close by, and they've both been given the same air code now i haven't I haven't, I haven't come across it, but that's not to say that it hasn't happened before uh, it has't Has it ever happened to anybody else where you've discovered you've shared the same air code? And if so, what did you do to get it rectified to make sure that you got your own individual air code? 1850 333 103. And talking of air codes, Catherine says, I went online, put in my air code. This is to do with local property tax. And it just pushed us into band three. We have a bungalow in a farm and it definitely wouldn't make that money. Well, remember, Catherine, what Sinead from Revenue said, it's got to be a fair valuation that you believe and trust is a fair valuation of your bungalow if you believe that your bungalow is more suited to be in band number 2 and that's what you declare to revenue 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862
3: 103
2: 103
1: The C103 Cork Diary
3: With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see CorkCoco.ie.
2: Bingo Books, Sparkle Dollery, Home Bingo are now on sale. All the usual outlets they've got a snowball prize this week of €300. Euro. And Anam Cara they offer support for bereaved parents in Cork and the surrounding areas. Their next meeting is tomorrow, 3rd of November, but registration is required. You can contact them on 01 404 5378 or you can email info at anamcara.ie The Free online coding workshops for Dojo Moore will run on next Saturday, the 6th of November, from 10am to 2pm. It offers a range of activities to suit all ages. You can log on to that's dot ie for more information and to a book.
1: Court today
3: on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
2: Charleville CBS Boys Primary School have professionally recorded a song called This Is How You Walk On, which will be officially launched this week. To tell us more about it, I'm joined from the school by Keith Handley, who many will know from winning the Voice of Ireland back in 2013. Good afternoon to you, Keith. Hi Patricia, how are I, you? I'm very well. I just I was I was talking about this only earlier. I can't believe it was 2013. I mean, you're coming up to nearly 10 years ago since you won that competition.
8: I can't believe it. It's like literally a lifetime. And I was just about to say I'm on the radio show non panto related as well, so Yeah, it's just, it's that's mad. true.
2: That's true. And it was always great to have you in the studio dressed up in all the yeah. panto gear that and those days will come back again. They they will it come will. back again. Absolutely. Now, not many primary schools professionally record a song. So talk me through how this project came about.
8: Yes. So we're very fortunate, um, I suppose, here at Charlottesville CBS Primary, um, when it comes to the arts and when it comes to performance, we're very passionate about it. And thankfully, um, you know, our principal, um, Michael O'Sullivan, he really pushed it. And he basically came to me about maybe a year and a half now at this stage and just suggested, look, there won't be any productions, there won't be any Christmas shows as we usually do. What can we do to kind of keep the art flowing? So we just came up with the idea of releasing a song. So that's how it came about. We... Did fantastic audition processes. Um, you know the rehearsal process was very was just very exciting, and I suppose we came to the conclusion of releasing our um, song, um, written by Gary Lightbody of Snow Patrol. This is how you walk on. So why brilliant.
2: that? Why that particular song?
8: So I guess this song. Um, You know, we really sat down and we had a selection of different songs that we kind of, you know, would feel would be the best song. And basically it came from a movie. I I remember watching a movie called Gifted before. Chris Evans is the lead actor in it. And it's a beautiful, true story. And I was just watching the movie and then all of a sudden this song came on in the background. And I was like, wow, that song is so powerful. And it's it's very actually fitting for the days that we are living in today. Even though the song was written back in 2017, pre-COVID, I just felt the lyrics. I felt the message behind us. Um, it really suited what we're living, I suppose, mm. in our living situation today. And the boys sing it amazingly. They really do.
2: Good l- good little singers in the school, are there? They're brilliant singers. Are Fantastic they? singers. Great. Yeah. great, And where did you record?
8: So we actually recorded in our local community centre, the parochial Hall. And we hired it out um, for a full day. And we had a professional music producer, Gary Keane, based in Cork City, came down, set up the gear... And, you know, even for the boys here, the 22 boys that were selected to take part in the single, you know, even for them itself to experience working with a professional music producer and, you know, with the headphones, the mics, they just... they totally a buzz. Totally
2: what, what, up what, what, what a buzz. Now, the whole aim of it as well is to raise some money for local charities.
8: Yes. So I suppose our main um, money raiser would be for here, for um, CBS Primary, for autism inclusion. So we have two special um, classes, and I suppose the purpose behind it is we want to raise funds for um, those classes, but also for, you know, resources, you know, for um, the maintaining of our sensory room and any other resources they may need outside of a classroom setting. Um, I suppose in a couple of, you know, not too long in the future, um, CBS primary is actually going through a new build. So, you know, in the long term, we want to put it towards the likes of a sensory garden and any other sensory, um, you know, environments that would benefit children with um, additional needs and, and autism. And I suppose we've partnered then as well with um, St. Joseph's Foundation, the hydrotherapy pool, because the hydrotherapy pool staff have been so good to our boys over the last couple of years, allowing us to use the pool, and the pool for them is a massive asset. They really do enjoy it. And lastly, then, we've partnered up with Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland. Um, they've been very, very passionate about it and we've had great support from them but it's, um, they're great charities mm. and we really want to spread awareness and that's what it's all down to as well you know
2: Yeah and I think it's great for the for the other kids in the school to realise they're doing something that's going to help out the children that are on the autism spectrum Absolutely. in their school and in their community
8: Absolutely yeah. that's what it's all down to like I know we as a community and you know Ireland in general we've really come on so far when it, when it comes to that but you know I think more awareness needs to be um, needs to be, you know, preached almost. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And the boys here in Traverse CBS are very passionate about that as well, which is great.
2: And you've got a sponsored walk for Friday.
8: We do. So we have a sponsored walk called the This Is How You Walk on Walk on Friday. So we're, <laughs> we're taking off at around half 11 meeting at the town plaza where our boys are actually going to perform the song um, uptown. We'll have um, a collection going around and we're going to do a walk. And basically we're just going to play the song constantly so the locals will be sick of it and they'll, they'll hopefully get um they'll grab the opportunity to either download it or we'll also have um physical copies to purchase as well
2: you will have an actual physical cd we do we do yeah, of course that's yeah. that's something for the boys that is yeah. quite special
8: absolutely absolutely and also like you know we our online platforms now are fairly good in fairness we've been you know really tipping away with even teases of the video teases of our process and we've also a GoFundMe link on each one of our social media platforms as well, which is, which is really important. As and
2: well. I, I saw the artwork, Now I saw it online. Uh, is that the artwork that you're using on the CD?
8: We are. So it was actually designed by a student, Ian uh, Kustavik. He's um, a fourth-class student. So basically, before we um, went into the design of the artwork, we made a big, huge competition um, of all our students here at CVS, and loads of, loads of, um, I suppose, entries came our way and it was Eames that stood out to us. It's actually a painted canvas if you actually held it physically in your hand. The detail in it is just superb. So we said that was
2: definitely He's a gifted little artist I tell you. That's that's one one for the uh, the future. Okay, so uh, and we now we're not playing it today because we the big reveal is happening, as you say, in Charleville on Friday. Yes. But you are going to get a copy of it to us so we can play it on Friday.
8: Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, we're very, very grateful as well, Patricia, for you having us on air and sharing it as well. Well, listen, that's,
2: that's, that's our pleasure. And while the daytime work now is, is in the school in Charleville CBS for you, Keith, what's the, what's the musical career? I saw you during the pandemic when you were doing your first live concert afterwards it's been tough isn't it for musicians and singers?
8: it has it really has um, you, know, it's, you know the thing about this project even you know releasing our song and for everyone going through the pandemic you know it was the art and it was music that really kept us going through these times and I suppose when it came to the art sector and when it came to performers you know it was unfortunate that you know it's still very sort of uncertain and is, um, you know that we're basically the last people to kind of get back to a full normal life if that's even a thing anymore but, um, you know, it's, it's been great, I suppose. I have done a, a gig outdoors in the um, Elizabeth Fort with Cork Pops Orchestra. That in itself was just amazing. Like for me as a performer, like every time I get up on the stage, I'm always nervous. Like that's just a, a thing that always naturally happens. But there was something about that first performance that I went back up, not only myself, but the musicians, you know, Evelyn Grant and Jerry Kelly from the Cork Pops. We just all were mad to get up on that stage. Oh, we no. just wanted to share our love for music and the audience were the very same. So, look, hopefully more of that will happen very soon. Hopefully. Yeah.
9: Please,
2: God. Please, God. Listen, you look after yourself, uh, Keith, and hi to everybody at Chirerville, CBS, and wish the boys all the best. This is, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that they have done and we wish you well with the song. So Thanks much. a million. Thank bye bye. Bye bye. Keith Handley, this is how you walk on. As I say, we will play it. We'll get the first official play on air. We'll do that on Friday. 1850 333 103. Lines open. Jump Paul taking your calls.
1: Court today on C103.
3: With Sean Cusack, insurances can Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. This
1: is the Court Today replay on C103. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp
0: Patricia with your comment.
2: 086 and before we go to Joe, just a couple of queries in about the fuel allowance, including this text just in. Say, my husband and myself both get the fuel, get the fuel allowance. We haven't got the extra five euro that was promised to us in the budget. We are both living on a pension. What is going on? And you are right. In the budget twenty twenty two, which was uh, on the twelfth of October, God, it's not long ago, they announced an extra five euro a week. In the fuel allowance, and they said the increase would kick in from midnight. But of course, them saying it will kick in from midnight and actually getting it pay, paid out is two different things. So, what's happening is the increased payment, including the three weeks' arrears since the 12th of October, is going to be paid the first week of November. So, this week, when people go to collect their normal social welfare payments, if they're entitled to a fuel allowance, when you get your fuel allowance, you will have the additional three weeks' arrears, and then the five euro kicks in after that. And that's obviously uh, from people who get paid uh, weekly. Those who get paid by lump sum uh, will get the increase uh, of uh, €20 Euro in January 2022 when the next uh, payment.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
9: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com.
2: is due uh, but it's from this week that that kicks in but it is being backdated just to let people know Okay i uh, glad to clarify that Joe Heffernan joining me on this Tuesday afternoon Good afternoon to you Joe Hi
5: Patricia and Amazing is, isn't it the way everything is going up up
2: up Yeah Yeah but, I, not, but not a lot of that's the odd one that's going up for a fuel allowance for everybody else I don't think a lot of oh, money, well, money, money is going up is, Yeah uh, It's something but it's a, it's a small amount Okay yeah. you, you want to talk about something today that I think I think it'll touch a a number of people and this is to do with relationships ending and unfortunately the pandemic particularly lockdowns I think if there was any cracks in relationships they kind of got overexposed during lockdowns when people were forced to spend a lot of time together and it might have shown that people who have been together shouldn't be together and because of that we've relationships breaking up
5: or whatever reason uh yeah that i mean relationships can break up and um there are different stages then it, there's a grief process uh when a relationship breaks up and um yeah what we are hoping to do today would be to maybe uh point out the uh, the phases that one goes through um after uh, uh a relationship breakup the first one being shock and disbelief um Do you know that, especially if a breakup is sudden, um, uh, a person is kind of numbed, um, um, unable to think clearly, um, uh, maybe um, refusing to believe that it could happen. And even if we go back to the bereavement issues that we talk about, I mean, the first one is denial. And and that could well be mm, the first... um, uh, response to um, a relationship breakup And particularly um, if
2: you say if it's sudden if it's one person over the other has made the decision to end a relationship
5: Absolutely yeah. Absolutely um, Like if both people agree that um, that they need to end a relationship that's um, you know that's a, a lot easier to yeah.
2: deal with Yeah So Obviously. okay so, so acknowledge the fact that you might go through a, 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 a disbelief period
5: Yes, a loss, and um, and try to. Uh, well, the first thing of all would be to accept that, um, that um, if, especially if you weren't the person who um, who saw it coming, um, the the well, then the shock stage obviously will be will be longer. Um, uh, it's it's like getting a a, a punch in the tummy, um, uh, and these are like the normal emotions of grief um uh they're upsetting, it's it it's a bad time. Uh, the person who rang me um said that his friend could not stop thinking about the relationship, about the ex all the time and I would be saying that for a while that can be normal. It's a normal response um uh, to a loss and um and and maybe it's good to um to kind of, as it were, rake over the ashes and to think back on this happened and that happened and the other thing happened, um, that that's not a bad thing, that it wouldn't be good advice to say to a person, you're just move on. Um, It's not possible maybe to just move on. And if a person found that they were constantly in a bad uh, state of mind from this, well then, Maybe um, talking to um, a counsellor psychotherapist um, would definitely help. And as we often say, IACP.ie, there's um, uh, 2,500 counsellor psychotherapists there, all fully um, uh, accredited and qualified. So it it might come to a a situation where it would be necessary um, if a person is feeling devastated um, to um, to maybe make a phone call and talk it over uh, with a person who is objective and um, who really has um, no axe to grind whatsoever for one uh, person or the other.
2: Yeah, and, um, as, and as you say, for a person who didn't see the breakup coming, that sort of period of disbelief and devastation could last longer than if it's a couple together deciding this isn't working, we need to go our separate ways.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. And then, of course, you have, I mean, if it's a a relationship where there is um, a civil contract, in other words, a marriage, well, then it can be amicable um, and reasonable, or it can be very adversarial and confrontational. And one would hope that, um, you know, that that, uh, there's amicable uh, would be the way to go, especially if there are children involved. Mm. Mm.
2: Okay, and then you, you talk about people being disorganised and almost confusion reigning. Yeah,
5: yeah. A person can feel, uh, a person can experience that they're having trouble sleeping, that they're um, either too much or too little, that a person isn't, um, you know, is wandering around, um uh, where did I put this, where did I put that um, if I drop a plate, it's like um, it's it's a disaster, I could be reduced to tears nearly um, I, I don't want to talk to anyone at, at the moment, uh, maybe, and uh, one of the main things that we could put across today, Patricia, is that this is all normal, I mean this is a part of the um, uh, the disorganisation will say that, um, that, that follows any grief, um, including um, a relationship breakup. That if a person feels, you know, uh, scattered, um, overwhelmed, um, uh, confused, disorganised.
2: That's why your advice is be gentle with yourself.
5: To be gentle with yourself and to say, come on, you're after being through a very bad old time. You're not exactly... Um, on the ball, all the time, every day, okay, that's normal. Um, And to, uh, yeah, to be gentle with yourself, Um, uh, you know, not to be, um, you know, why can't I do this, why can't I do that, I should be able to do this, and I must do that, to kind of say, easy does it now for a while.
2: And Um, then what what about an angry stage?
5: Well, you see, um anger is a natural part as well of um the grieving process. Um when something that we had uh, have been uh, part of our lives um is is not there anymore, um we 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 can feel very angry. And um, um even going back again to the the the, the grief process, you have um Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And in this case, anger, yeah, is part of it. And again, to acknowledge the anger and say, yeah, yeah, I am angry. I'm I'm very angry. And especially about, you know, A or B or C or this was said or that was said, I am angry. And it's fine to feel angry. Uh, What's not fine is to act out or lash out um, uh, on the anger because, as we've often said um, uh, on the programme before, that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with anger. It's what you do with it. Um, uh, So trying
2: to get revenge on the person.
5: Well, we hear a lot about that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. We hear so much about that now, about... um, uh you know especially online stuff and um and that um
2: yeah, But you'd hear of people, I, mean, I remember reading about uh, a woman who had a breakup with her husband that wasn't amicable and she got to all of the suits in his house and, you know, cut off one leg and one arm of all of his suits and destroyed all of his clothes. And, you know, the other famous one is somebody, if they got a prized possession as a car for somebody to go out and ruin the car, you know, just and it's, it's almost like it's a moment of madness. But when somebody gets that angry, they lash out.
5: It is, and I mean, one needs to count to ten, and one needs yeah. to realise that that, um, especially in the second case where there is criminal damage, is against the law. Yeah, yeah. and um, and you know things are bad enough without making them worse.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good point. And then guilt is also part of the grieving process.
1: Yeah,
5: yeah. I mean, a person is definitely going to, um, uh, as we said. Uh, before they review the relationship what was and what wasn't done what was and what wasn't said and um you know uh, there's going to be times that one uh, if he or she is being honest uh, would say yeah i wasn't very i wasn't very diplomatic in that situation um i did say um a couple of very harsh things and then that can lead to oh and I'm the cause of the breakup, Um uh but um that is not necessarily so. Couples that I have spoken with down through the years, um except in the cases of we'll say um abuse um which is a hundred percent wrong. Um but um where there are what we'll call differences, you know, it's never a hundred percent wrong and, and uh and a hundred percent right. There's kind of 60, 40, 40, 60, 50, 50. And when people will um, acknowledge their own contribution to things not having gone very well, um, uh, well, then that um, uh, that acknowledgement, that's now if two people decide to go to couples' counselling and they both want in. Now, on the other hand, if it's over, um, it's best to realize maybe that it's over and that um apologizing and apologizing and apologizing um and hoping to revive things um, if that didn't work initially well then maybe it's time uh to move on um uh if um if you uh um uh, acknowledge that this is not fixable. Um, And maybe even to say out loud to yourself, uh, you know, this is over. yeah, Um, Yeah. Because that's acceptance.
6: It's over.
2: And you can recycle all of those emotions. You can jump from one to the other. You think you're over the devastation uh, phase and you might go through an angry stage and then you might go back to the devastation phase.
5: Yes, that's like um, the whole process is a circle rather than a line. It's not a case of... um, Uh, been there with anger, gone through that now, um, uh, uh, marked that off the list. No, it's circular. And um, uh, you could be right back up at stage one um, after uh, quite a while and after maybe experiencing the other um, parts of the um, uh, the grieving process as as well. So, yeah, it's not... um, it's not like a list that one can tick off the um the the different things you know
2: um, and it's and it's it's the very same as suffering a bereavement except absolutely. that the person is still alive and and is breathing but for the person who is suffering the loss it is the very same as a bereavement and like with bereavement it won't just suddenly end on the first anniversary or 6 months after or It'll vary from person to person and no two-person's grief is ever the same.
5: Absolutely. And there will be memories. And um, the thing is that um, uh, when uh, a person um, uh, acknowledges the different stages and um, and gets to a point where the person can accept that relationship is over, um, and then, well then recovery they're on because, the road to recovery uh, possible ok yeah. we'll
2: chat again next week have a lovely week uh, Joe and thanks for joining us thank you uh, bye bye Joe Hefflin he runs a counselling practice in Boho his number is 086 that's 086 Three four eight one four five. That's where we park it for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon, and we're back with you tomorrow morning at ten. It's the Hampshire Mister. Very good afternoon. Today on C one
1: oh three
3: with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG. IE
0: Cool fact.